This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Well, it's the offseason, so we start looking ahead to the combine and the draft and free agency and franchise tags and everything that's great about the NFL is happening right now. And there's a player that a lot of teams, I'm certain, have their eye on, including the Seattle Seahawks, who have their eye on a guy who could help this defense out in a big way, who currently is out there in Washington with the commanders and here to discuss everything going on out there with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline as a man who covers the commanders for the Washington Post. Sam Fortier is with us. Sam, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me as a uh, former intern at the Seattle Post Intelligence, sir. This is a little bit of a cool full circle moment. Oh, really? Okay. Did uh, did you run into anybody wor- worthy of, of mentioning there, or are they just a bunch of hacks? What, what was that, Darth? <laughs> What's that? I, I uh, you cut out there at the end. So oh, what I, was said, that? I said anybody at the at the PI that's worth mentioning that we might know, or were they all just a bunch of hacks? <laughs> I mean, they're all just a bunch of hacks, but but I love them. Steve Cohen and and Adam Lewis were the two guys. I was mm. there in 2018, so. I have some fond memories that that was the first NFL training camp I did. I was out, I believe it's in Redmond, right? The facility, it's right on the lake. That place it's in Renton. Yeah. Renton, that's what it is. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah. we'd like to make fun of those guys, but they're two pretty solid dudes. You mentioned, that, yeah, so. yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll let, we were hoping for other names out there we could lay into, but <laughs> all right, we'll we'll move on from that. Hey, uh, out here in Seattle, the defense was very problematic last year. There are a lot of openings, a lot of job openings. It, it would appear on this defensive line, and a guy that would look really, really good is a guy that I'm certain other teams are looking at. Deron Payne. What's what can you tell us about him in terms of uh, the kind of guy he is? The kind of you know locker room guy and would Washington really let him leave? Yeah. So, I mean, Deron Payne is one of the, you know, they have two Alabama interior guys, John Allen being the other one here in Washington. And he's a really big, before this year, he was really like a run stuffer, you know, really good up the middle, but not as good of a pass rusher. He took a massive step forward this year, double digit sacks, really disruptive, finished his rushes. And and really it was, you know, a, a big part of it was, the, uh, the the line working together. They did not do that very well in 2021 during a very disappointing campaign. Um, so this year they, they got much better. Deron Payne, I, I think it's always been kind of clear that when you have four first-round picks, including Montez Sweat, Chase Young, that you know one of them is, is not going to get paid, at least one, maybe two. And, and I think Deron Payne has been on the outside looking in. You know, And I think that manifested in a couple different ways. Deron Payne's locker was away from – from the rest of the D line, he was kind of over in, in a in a veteran corner with, with a couple of running backs, uh, linebackers, um, and I think that like, but but you know, and, and obviously you know he and, and John Allen had that big spat the day after Christmas 2021 where you know they got in a fight on the sidelines on national TV. But my sense is that you know he, he worked really hard this year. He was he was uh, responding really well to the coaching change they had on their defensive line and and blossomed as a player. So I think he's ready to cash in. Um, and I think I've rambled long enough on on that one. <laughs> Well, no, it's it's kind of interesting, though, uh, you know, having been in the locker room. Now, I moved away one time. I went to a nicer neighborhood because the guy next to me was really messy. But, um, yeah, is there anything to that? I mean, as far as Deron Payne, you mentioned the the fight, which I did did not hear about. But um, as far as, you know, him sort of isolating himself in the locker room, is he maybe is he a good guy? What kind of what kind of person is he off the field? My interactions with him have been nothing but pleasant. And obviously, you know, 
uh, you, after that fight on the sidelines, you know, they had, they basically said, Hey, it's brothers, you know, like this, this is going to happen. People, yeah. you know, want to be in for snaps and it's a high leverage game. And, and they were getting their butts kicked uh, in basically what ended their season in a loss at Dallas, you know, a big rival uh, for Washington um, the day after Christmas. So I think that there were a lot of things that went into that. Um, it, it's not a thing where in my sense that he's a bad guy at all. I think he worked, you know, I, I think Duran, like many football players, like, wants the, the paycheck that he feels like he's earned and, and I don't fault him for that. So, but there's no, like, you know, there was, he, he's a soft spoken guy. He, he's a man of few words, but uh, I've never taken that to be as uh, you know, I, I don't like the media. I don't like, you know, he's not a problem is, is my sense. So in your, your opinion, he's, he's moving on. There's not a chance that Washington feels like, you know what? Yeah, we do have guys that need to get paid, but he's going to be one of them. Well, so here's the thing is I, I don't think that they can give him a long-term deal just if you're looking at roster building because they have Montez Sweat coming up. They have Chase Young coming up. They gave John Allen a big deal last year. But Ron Rivera, considering the, the Washington ownership change that we're expecting to happen this offseason, needs to win because he is entering year four of his contract. That's a big year for him. And if a new owner comes in, as happened with Rivera in Carolina, he could be out. So Ron Rivera this offseason, I fully expect to pull every lever that will give him the best team on the field. Uh, and I feel bad for Mike Lesko, your producer, who, I, you know, I, I was a little bit more leaning toward, oh, you know, he could become a free agent. But in the last week or so, I really swung to, I, I think they're going to franchise tag him. That window opened today. I think you'll see a franchise tag by March 7th, the deadline. The only way I see Seattle really, you know, coming into him is through a tag and trade. And I'm not sure how aggressive or what that market would be like. Um, but tag and trade and, and saying, hey, Ron Rivera, Washington, we'll give you some assets for Payne. That is, I think, the, the likeliest scenario through which Seattle ends up with Ron Payne this offseason. Hey, Sam, do we overestimate the effect that Ron Rivera has had on that team? It seems seems like from here anyway that he's the one guy that, that makes the, the team, as far as ownership goes and everything, is uh, lovable and you know just seems like a, a great leader and a guy that's kind of kind of turned the the face of that, that franchise around. Is that overestimated? Guys, you cannot overstate the how necessary it was to reinstall competency and decency to this organization. And while it has plenty of challenges ongoing, as I think people are, are well aware, um, and, and while it's by far, you know, it's, it's far from perfect, uh, I, I do think that he has instilled, you know, at least those two things. And you can argue, you know, is he a good coach? He's had three winning seasons in, in 12 years as a head coach in the NFL. You know, his, his career winning percentages, whether, you know, it's around 500. But, you know, for what this team needed coming out of um, the culture that it had under, you know, former team president Bruce Allen, coach Jay Gruden, uh, I think that Ron Rivera has given this team, you know, something that it, this franchise, uh, something that it really needed. Let's talk about your new offensive coordinator out there, Eric Bieniemy, who uh, obviously has been in the news as a coaching candidate, head coaching candidate, and now he makes a move that is uh, thought to be lateral move. Is he, has he been given the title of OC and assistant head coach? Yeah, he has gotten that extra title. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the feeling out there? Are people excited? Are they, I mean, he's obviously been part of something that's been incredibly successful in Kansas city. And now it sounds like he'll have much more responsibility out there in Washington. Well, this is kind of linked to your, your last question. People out here are, are giddy because 
these things don't happen to Washington, right? Like Washington <laughs> signs the overpriced free agent like three years after they were supposed to. Like th- this is, you know, other than Terry McLaurin and a couple other guys, like really good players and really good, you know, minds and coaches don't come to Washington in, unless it's like their last <laughs> option. So people are pretty excited about Eric Bieniemy that, that Ron Rivera was able to pull this off. Um, and, and really this, I think, gives Bieniemy and, and the rest of us uh, a chance to answer the question, how much did Eric Bieniemy play a role in that Kansas City offense in terms of his success? Because if you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, a lot of coaches are going to look good. If you have Andy Reid as a mentor, a lot of coaches are going to look good. But it, it's, it's totally possible that Eric Bieniemy is, is a very, very good coach in his own right. And now, you know, having sole play calling responsibilities, which he did not have in Kansas City, um, that is going to be a really interesting question. And, and Washington, frankly, is making a pretty big bet on him. Yeah, well, and, and Ron Rivera seems like, and you, you talked about him uh, earlier, that if he invests in you, it seems like that that's a good thing. And it, and it seems like, you know, and this was, uh, you know, he was kind of a, a big topic of conversation ever since the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl after the 2019 season because, you know, he was talked about so much that and then he didn't get that head coaching job. And, you know, for Ron Rivera to to give him that assistant head coach, I mean, that's that's a huge deal. And it seems like uh, he's one of those guys that just saw someone that, you know, obviously you're going to get a good good coach, but that a good opportunity to, to possibly give a guy a chance. Ron Rivera became a coach in the NFL as, a, as an assistant linebackers coach in Philadelphia in 1999 under Andy Reid. So mm. Andy Reid's endorsement of Eric Bieniemy and, and, and Ron holds Andy in very high regard and references in him often when talking about coaching philosophy. So that endorsement was, was really important, I think, in terms of having Eric. Both, I think with Eric and with Ron, to have those guys come together, I think Andy played a pretty significant role in that. And as you mentioned, I mean, Eric Bieniemy interviewed, you know, unless my math's off, it's something like 15 coaching jobs, 15 head coaching jobs, half the league. I think he talked to Colorado at one point. I mean, this is a guy who's been a candidate for a long time. So I think a lot of people, even in Washington, are like, why would he make what seems like a lateral move, even if you get, you know, the extra title, which is, you know, some extra money or whatever. Like, why would you do that? And I think it's just he did, I think he exhausted every avenue uh, of, of the head coaching cycle uh, of trying to break into that break into those ranks. And so this just made a ton of sense for him. So what does he have to work with there in the way of, uh, I mean, obviously you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you don't have Travis Kelsey, you don't, you don't have what the Kansas city chiefs have. Uh, is that offense close? Is, does it, or is this going to be a mir- a work of a miracle if he's able to turn this offense into a, a potent offense? What's he dealing with? Yeah, so, I mean, he does have some tools, obviously not at the level of Patrick Mahomes, but the quarterback, more than likely, Ron Rivera said, is going to be Sam Howell, the rookie who started one game last year um, at the end of the year. He, he, he was all right. Working with before, he has a really good receiver room, in my opinion, in terms of Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dobson. They have a deep threat in De'Ami Brown. Their running backs, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, are pretty good. I think they're going to do some retooling of um, this offseason, but but they do have some prospects there that they like. The offense was the thing that, that torpedoed them last year when they tried the Carson Wentz experiment. 
They, they, they built an offensive line that was pretty good at running the ball, but they were atrocious at pass blocking. And when you have a guy like Carson Wentz, particularly, you need to give him time and keep him clean so he stays out of his head. So, uh, to me, Eric Bieniemy has a lot to work with, a lot of talent, but you've got to fortify that line and let him do what he does. And I think that that is, is really the key. Sam Fortier, Commander's Beat Writer for the Washington Post, has been our guest here with Wyman and Bob. Hey, Sam, really appreciate you taking the time and giving us some insight on uh, Duran and everything else going on with the team. Thanks so much. Of course. Thank you for having me, guys. Yep. There you go. Sam Fortier, former, what do you say, intern with the PI? PI, yeah. Yeah. So spent some time out here with the... You're thinking somebody that he might have ran into that's... Maybe a little goofy from time to time. <laughs> time to time or most of the time, really. <laughs> or a good friend. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the uh, interesting, I mean. Well, now he's saying Deron Payne's going to, looks like, could get the franchise tag slapped yeah. on him, which means the Seahawks have to give up draft capital if they sign him, right? Yeah. So, I, mm. I'm not so I'm not so sure about, I mean, that's difficult to manage there, though, because as he mentioned, you got four first rounders. You got Montez Sweat. Uh, Jonathan Allen is the other one, and then Chase, Chase Young, Young, who got hurt last year. But, man, I mean, you can only pay those guys so much. But those three guys right there combined for 27 sacks. I mean, that is that is incredible. Mm. And uh, that's, that's exactly the kind of uh, defensive line the Seahawks need. Well, the franchise tag for him would be $18.9 million. Mm-hmm. Um, as Lefko's got here... Uh, the commanders currently only have eight million available. I assume that's according to Spotrack. So, give or take, as he always says, he's he's not dialed in on every last cent. But so they're they're not in a position for that financially right now. Um, and yeah. I, I was reading something a couple of weeks ago about Chase Young, where they were saying that they might let him play his contract out just to show he can be healthy because he's been hurt. He hasn't really been able to produce much for that team with all the hype that came with him. He's you know not been very available. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's not the urgent press to get him re-signed right away. I don't. I, that's sort of what the the article was talking about. Um, I don't know. That's such a shame. I mean, that guy's such a, a great player. But if, if you look at you know once again the uh, you know the injury bug hitting him pretty hard because he's had some good seasons already. He's had well. He's played 15 games his first year. Played nine in twenty twenty one and played three this last year. Yeah. So he's you know, he's played a combined eleven, twelve games in the past two seasons. So yeah, there's there's just talk about, you know, maybe they you know, he's a first round pick, so his he's got a different contract situation, but yeah, that maybe they don't, you know, jump right in and re signing him and allow his contract to play out a little bit. But we'll we'll see what they do. But if they put the tag on Duran Payne, I don't know, that could remove the Seahawks from Yep. Well, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to give up draft capital or anything. They've got, you know, chances to get some some good young guys. I'm just curious that they wouldn't spend money on, you know, a quarterback. I mean, I'm just looking at situations around the league, and we always think about the teams that have their quarterback, but look at the case in Washington where, you know. Sam Howell, that's who they're going for. Yeah, they have Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. 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 Which uh, John Clayton used to always say that he's a beer. He's not a player. He's a beer because <laughs> his name was. It was not very funny, John. Yeah, but he God liked bless it. you, John liked it. Yes, he did. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a situation where they've you know you've got this 
plethora of defensive linemen that are just, you know, incredibly, I mean, that's the one part of your, of your team that you just don't even worry about. And right now, I think since the time that Pete and John have gotten here, is this maybe the, the weakest defensive line or as, as far as the line you're not sure about going into the season? Like it's the, the one that needs maybe the most repair. It feels like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean they've had some bad defenses the past few years. I mean we, you know, yeah. we were wringing our hands every week, like what are we looking at? You know, and then the numbers. And you talked about the the yards and points they were giving up. Where it's going to be two seasons combined of, yeah. you know, I mean just it was it was it's been awful. You know, for a defensive head coach and Pete, and you know, he made his name with on defense, and then the Legion of Boom comes through a generational defense. For them to be what they've been the past what four seasons, three at least three. If not four, I'd have to go back and look. It's weird. It is been, weird. They've been bad. Yeah, and it just makes makes me kind of wonder. I remember last year talking to to Pete, and you know, just asking him about his defense, and he kind of was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not standing lording over these guys. I'm letting them do their own things." And maybe you some, should. Sometimes I'm thinking maybe you should get more involved. Maybe you should <laughs> yeah. go back to the time you know when you, when you were really involved. And you know, and he might argue that no, I let you know Gus Bradley and uh, and Dan Quinn do that all their own. Uh, who did they go through to in between? He was Richard. a yeah, Chris Richard, and then over to to Ken Ken Norton Jr. So yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been tough lately, and that's something that you know for for Pete. I mean, that's one of his. That's how he builds a team, a running game and strong defense, and the strong defense just has has been in and out. It's a, you know I thought they had it this last year, Bob. When we were in Germany, I was pouring through the numbers and looking at the you know the four previous games, which is two Arizona, the Giants, and the Chargers. And I'm thinking, man, this is the hottest team in the NFL defensively right now. You look at their numbers over the last few weeks; they're on their way, man. They're gonna and man, they were teased. That was fool's gold, Dave. Yeah, Tampa Bay ran all over them. The Rams ran all over the them. Two worst running teams in the NFL. <laughs> oh, uh, the the Vegas Raiders oh, ran all over them. Crushed them. Panthers. The Panthers. Oh yeah. man. It wasn't good. It yeah. was not good. Not 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 very well good and there all. was yeah, and there was just some <laughs> weird things going on. Like, you know, I remember on the overtime run by uh, uh Josh Jacobs that you know, you saw Puna just get entirely turned sideways. I mean, you just never saw that kind of thing happen when, you know, they were they were the Legion of Boom years, you know, where they were number one scoring defense. So lots of work to be done there. I mean, we talk about the quarterback situation and, and all that offensive line. I mean, I would I would even prioritize it over offensive line and running game that the defense, it's it's pretty urgent. Yeah, it was your liability. Your offense is what carried you this year outside of that stretch that you were just talking about. I mean, it just that's just a statement of fact. That's not even opinion it, for whatever reason was just bad i don't know we were all hey, is it the three four the four three does it not make sense or guys having to think too much what's happening out here but uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll see what kind of answers they find in terms of the way they approach the scheme you know maybe it's it's going to be similar but they make some adjustments and it makes more sense to people maybe they get the pieces in here that it just fits them better who knows but yeah the, you can't you can't have a repeat of last year and expect to compete you just can't it just it just was not good enough, and you'd love to have a guy like Deron Payne. I would love to see that guy in a Hawks uniform. So I don't know. Are they going to put the 
franchise tag on him in Washington? Maybe they maybe they do. It seemed to be the way it was being talked about. He was he was he was going to be available. Yeah. He was going to be out there. They want him back, but because of everything you talked about, all the players they've got, that there's just too much they were going to have to commit there. They're not in great salary cap shape, uh, and they've got holes to fill. So it just seemed like he'd be a casualty of that. But now, you know, hearing uh, hearing Sam talk about it, now it feels like all right, they're going to put the franchise tag on him, which could eliminate Seattle and maybe some other teams that. Don't want to give up draft capital. Well, and there's some other team, uh, other players that are out there. I mean, not only in the draft, but also uh, some guys that you can definitely improve your situation with. Um, I'm trying to remember the player that uh, Bump and Stacy were talking about that they most wanted was an interior defensive line. I don't think it was Fletcher Cox, but um, yeah, there's there's lots of uh, good alternatives out there. Deron Payne's not the only one, but a guy that comes to mind because you know if you can get pressure up the middle early and Mm -hmm. get pressure. I mean, the guy had 11 and a half sacks, so he's not just pressuring. He's actually producing. I mean, that's the shortest distance to the quarterback, and that's why when you get a guy like Aaron Donald, he's so valuable. Yeah. All right, coming up, Scott Service outlined a plan for Julio's season, and we'll weigh in on that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I like that that's how you describe him. (laughs) Dave's talking about a movie that this woman was in. Yeah, with that comedian. (laughs) Like, oh, Tim Allen. Yeah, you instantly got it, so apparently I did the right thing. Uh, He'd be so proud to know that's how he's being described. What was he talking about? Like, he he would talk about a manly thing. Yeah. Go out with my hammer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like here in Neanderthal out there. So That's the noise my dog Hoover makes. Really? Yeah, he sounds like an ape. When, he, when I don't he's know. just walking around? No, just... just lay on the ground, and then they'll start stretching out and go, oh, oh. <laughs> He's like, this feels so good. Yeah, Hoover's a good boy. He's a good boy. All right, well, spring training is right uh, right around the corner. It's happening as we speak, I should say. Game's right around the corner. Uh, and Scott Service speaking with the media, talking about a lot of different things out there. But, A, talking about this is something we've talked about, Julio in, that li- in the leadoff spot. I I. Personally, don't love. I'd love if they had a leadoff hitter and move him down to where he could do damage. You have some men on base in front of him consistently. Uh, but here's Scott talking about where he's going to bat in the lineup this year. Yeah, I think you know there will be. He's going to hit at the top of the order somewhere. One, two, three, somewhere like that. And there'll be days that you know he leads off. I think you guys know how I feel about the leadoff position. Um, I like when you flip the lineup over, there's a guy with a, a real threat to hit the ball the ballpark. I think it, it, it does something. Now everybody says, oh, you know, you want him to hit with guys on base. It's one at bat. And if you look at the depth of our lineup, there's going to be some guys that are hitting in the 8-9 hole that get on base. So, um, you know, whether it hits one or two, that's probably where you're going to see him most of the time. You want to make sure he gets you know, as many extra at bats as he can. Well, he said there's going to be some guys on base. I'm going to take him at his word, Bob. Yeah, that's uh, he's saying it's only one at-bat where he comes up with nobody on base, which is obviously he's talking about the first at-bat of the game. Problem is with this lineup, your 8-9 guys, it's not going to be just one time you come up with nobody on. And, you know, talking about seasons past, now maybe that'll change this year. Maybe JP bounces back, maybe A.J. Pollock. And I don't, I don't know where they're at. I'm just assuming you, the end of your lineup – is it going to be something along the lines of, you know, J.P., Pollock, or Pollock, J.P., and and Kelnick? That's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. Maybe yeah. it'll be completely different. But 
maybe they bounce back and those guys are on base more than we're giving credit for. But if we're just comparing it to who this team's been in the past, it's the bottom of the, it has not been a long lineup. It, right. it just hasn't. So you, I think that's a legitimate concern for anybody who's looking at it going, well, Julio is your best hitter. He's your most productive hitter in the way of, you know, a home run threat driving in runs. So why not put him in a position to do that damage as often as possible instead of relying on eight and nine to get on base? You'd, you're going to put your best hitters at the top of the lineup. So you'd assume he's got more opportunities as perhaps a three hitter because the one and two, you figure their on base percentages are going to be should be decidedly better than eight and nine. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see um, the damage that Julio does on the base paths. That might be one of the more underrated, just because, you know, the throw over, there's mm-hmm. only two of those allowed. And then, you know, the, the base is being bigger. I I feel like he's going to do some damage out there. But like you said, I mean, it'd be nice if there were guys that were on base. But like I said, service, uh, he says there will be guys in the lineup that will be in front of him after that first at-bat, so we'll see. <laughs> right now, if, I mean, the only lineup we saw was somebody threw one together, right? Yeah, and I think it was kind of in the neighborhood of what I just – I don't remember the order they had. I think Kelnick's nine. and that Kelnick would, was nine. Yeah, but it, it could be a variation. It could be Cal Raleigh down there. I don't know. I'd assume based on his power, you'd bat him higher. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if, you know, the bottom of the order, what it looks like. It's just – I don't care who it is. Just get on base. I don't care if you get plunked. I don't care if you walk. I don't care how you get there. Just get on base so that he's not coming up a majority of the time with with nobody on base. I want because that just makes it easier on the pitcher. You know, you you, you can pitch around him. You can you you don't have to worry about him. You you don't have to worry about, oh, well, now I got two on or now I've got three on. I'm loading the bases. You, You got an empty base. All right. Maybe I can get him to chase. Maybe I can get him to roll over on one. I don't have to be pinpoint. You know, Mm. so it just it changes the whole approach to him if you've got runners on base. So we'll see. The other part of it is how they plan on keeping him healthy throughout the season. We're certain a lot of times in the second half of the season, last couple months or month and a half, he didn't hit on the field. He didn't do a lot of those things, backed off, um, understanding the most important time is those three hours during the game. Um, So he's learning uh, there. I think there's things that we can do to help him out there. Um, I think the biggest thing with him, and I talked to him about it yesterday already, is his ability to manage his time and prioritize. What's the most, all this stuff's great, but number one is like baseball, baseball, be a good teammate. And as long as those uh, priorities don't get out of whack, uh, which is no different than a lot of other 21, 22-year-olds running around in the world right now, you know, it's time management. A lot of demands on his time now. He's a superstar already. One year under his belt, he's uh, he's kind of becoming one of the faces of the league out there with, you know, a lot of the, the young players that we talk about and some of the older players than Mike Trout, but Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge and Julio, they're all kind of the face of baseball right now. And they're going to be a lot of demands and requests on his time, interviews and photo shoots, and I'm sure endorsing products and maybe filming commercials. And yeah, all that stuff's going to be great. But the reason you're there is because of what you do on the field in the level that you do it. I wonder who would be kind of like the big brother there? I mean, obviously, service Ty has France. a huge amount of it, you think? Well, then they they were saying he was kind of his babysitter last year, and yeah. Julio's joked about, you know, Ty keeping an eye on me or keeping, you know, taking care of me or something, kind of implying, making a joke of the fact that he was he was watching over him. Yeah, I always think of a guy like Carlos Santana, 
who is, you know, one of those guys that can kind of advise the younger guys. And everybody listens to him and just he has a way about him. Last year, anyway, he did. But, um, yeah, I think I think we we think about Julio, and this, this has been something I've worried about, that, you know, he's so young and he's going to have everybody's going to want a piece of Julio in one way or another. And But, you know, he's got a pretty good group of guys around him. I mean, if it was a bunch of selfish guys that, you know, were just kind of on their own, and this is a it seems like a really good team with a bunch of really good dudes. I mean, <laughs> who – Cal Raleigh, the day that we had the, the media thing out there, mm-hmm. I mean, what player goes and sits at a table with a bunch of radio guys? I mean, Cal. Cal yeah. did. He came and sat down next to us. It was me and you and Son of Gustafson and Stecker and um, was it was uh, I don't remember who else was sitting there? Jason there or uh, I'm sorry, Michael Lefko. I was there, of course. Oh, Thumb was there. Yeah. Oh, Justin. Oh, yeah. Justin from the morning show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and he was there, and he comes over and sits and just starts talking to us like regular guys. I mean, I feel like it's a very grounded group of guys to hopefully keep Julio sort of in check a little bit. Yeah, because he is still a kid. I mean, he still just turned 22 years old in Dece- end of December. Just turned 22. You got all the money in the world. You're financially, you're set for the rest of your life. You've got everybody in the world telling you how great you are and everything you do is great. And you're the best and you're the, you're the best looking, you're the best player. You're the, I mean, everything, you know, you know how it goes, Dave. They told you that too. Uh, but nobody told me I was the best looking, Bob. <laughs> but, but you know, you know that that's how it is. And when you're 22, how you process that is, yeah. is crucial. And, and maybe it does. I can't even imagine being spoken to and treated that way when I was 22 years old. I could have, who knows what would have happened. I could have gotten weird, Dave. Uh, but what but, do you mean, could have? Yeah, well, <laughs> weirder. How about that? Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot for him to have on his plate and a lot, yeah. you know, hopefully he's got the right people, not within the clubhouse, certainly there, but in his life around him that are going to sort of really look out for his best interest and not their best interests. Because it seems like that, is very often what you see with superstars in any, whether they're actors, whether they're musicians, whether they're athletes. Oftentimes they're surrounded by people who are going to get theirs because of what you do. And they're not so much concerned about your best interests. What do you think? How many, how many bags do you think he steals next year? I think that's... Uh, he slowed down toward the end of the season. He stopped, he stopped running quite a bit compared to what he was doing early, if you look at his numbers. And I don't. he did have the, uh, what was it, the back injury? Yeah, 25. Yeah. You know, it's weird. His projection, according to uh, Pro Baseball Reference, is 18, which is odd to me. Maybe they're looking at the end of the season where he that really started, to, the attempts yeah. really started to decrease. And maybe it had something to do. Maybe he was wearing down physically. Maybe the back was bothering. Who knows? But, yeah, I it, we'll see if he keeps up that pace that he started with. I feel like it's going to be a huge advantage for base runners as far as, you know, being on first base, only two throwovers and you know, get you on bases. the third one. Yep. All right. Coming up, Sean Payton is eyeing a very familiar name for his defensive coordinator job in Denver. We'll get into what it means for the NFL. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I got to find that picture for you, Dave. I was telling Dave that 
I saw somebody tweet out. It might have been Matt Festa or somebody. Somebody was out with a, on a date with their girlfriend or wife, and they said something along the lines, always good to have Cal as our third wheel or something. And they So they took a picture of those two at the table, the, the guy and his girlfriend, and then a picture of Cal sitting there smiling. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like the three, they're on a date, and Cal was with them. And I, I think it was Festa. I could be wrong. but it yeah, was. he's a great guy to eat with. It was very funny like that he was. Just, I was that guy for three years. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was uh, hanging out with uh, Dave Craig and his wife Sue, and then Joe Nash and Nancy, and yeah, it was uh, I was kind of the third wheel, and then I was asked to babysit and whatnot. So Cal's off to a good start, man. <laughs> that was so funny the picture of him just yeah, he's just very smiley, wheel, like, just yeah. Hey, what are you guys talking about? Having a great. What are you guys gonna <laughs> eat? I like this place. We yeah. should come here next week. <laughs> <laughs> Our next date, we should do this. Uh, but yeah, it was a very funny picture. Meanwhile. A new head coach in Denver, Sean Payton, is out there, and he's interviewing people for his defensive coordinator job. One of those people, Dave, is a guy that everybody's become much more familiar with if they weren't already familiar with him, Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan, I just kind of assumed he was done. I I assumed this is who he is. He's been a media guy for years now, and I I didn't even know that that coaching was still a desire for him, but uh, he interviewed for that defensive coordinator job. I don't know if he'll get it. We'll see. But he's we've played a couple of different clips of him ripping on other coaches, ripping on other players, and being very pointed in his criticisms, to say the very least, taking shots at guy. He's become the hot take guy, as I said in our notes last night. And they, you know, trying to, you know, meld into this media world where people are jumping up in front of video screens and yelling and screaming and, you know, saying things. He's kind of made that transition seamlessly. How do you think he's welcome back if he's uh I mean, do you do you think players and, and coaches look at him differently now as that guy that's out there kind of just unabashedly taking shots at people the way he has over the years? Well, I don't – I guess I haven't seen as much as you have uh, as far as him taking shots. I haven't watched him, and really all we know about him is from Hard Knocks, right? Yeah. Was he with the Ravens or the Jets? Then? Jets. Yeah, so – I don't know. I I feel like he's been true to his personality. That kind of seems like that's just who he is. Like, and you were talking about, yeah, you're you you know, criticizing a coach or whatever. I feel like if that coach came up and said something to him, he would just go, "Oh, come on, man. You know what what it's all about. I mean, we're supposed to you know make these kinds of things, and all I meant was this and that. Nah, don't worry about it. I feel like he could pull that off. So the fact that he's you know that kind of guy on on tv i feel like nobody really takes that personally and he doesn't seem to care that's the other thing you know he's one of those people that i don't know i guess i would if i said something really negative and hurtful towards someone i would not be comfortable being around them i guess or i just just wouldn't be around hi no (laughs) I, i mean i don't think it would be that way i think i would just purposely avoid him because for me to do that i would be pissed at them or yeah. think that they're a jerk and I don't want to talk to them anyway, but I don't know. That that to me is uh, maybe not going to be a big deal just because of his personality. You know how some people can get away with that stuff? I have a, I have a buddy named Nu'u Faula who can just say like the the weirdest like random things to people and they'll laugh. And I'm like, if I would have said that, everybody would have booed me off the stage or they would have been to, insulted. Yeah, be insulted. So he has he has that ability. I think Rex Ryan kind of has that going on, and I, I think uh, that was one of the more enjoyable um, Hard Knocks episodes or, or year seasons because uh, mostly because of him, because of Rex Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked him in that in that 
his personality. I don't think he was taking some of the pointed shots as a coach that he does as a media guy. And maybe it has no impact. I don't know. It, it's just he's been doing it for a number of years. He has become the hot take guy. So I'm like, all right, does that change how he's perceived in a locker room? Do players look at him differently? Do coaches look at him? Not, and coaches, it doesn't matter. As long as the coaches on his staff respect him, then what the other coaches think around the league doesn't really matter. It's about having the respect of, of that locker room. And he seems like he, you know, he's been a polarizing figure as a, as a media guy out there. So I don't know, an interesting candidate. I just, more of it was a surprise that I just kind of forgot about him coach. I mean, obviously I know he was a coach, but it's been a while and he's been such a talking head for, for a while now that you don't, Oh yeah, that's right. He did coach. I didn't even realize he wanted to get back into it. Well, and it's interesting that Sean Payton is the same way. You know, he's been out not as long as uh, Ryan has been, but that he's back in. So it makes you wonder kind of, you know, when people are going to, you know, uh, every once every once in a while you see a guy who's got coaching in his blood. That's just the way it is. And, you know, he can't can't get away f- from it, you know, and I think it's. I don't know. I wonder how lonely it is for a guy like Rex Ryan who's so used to being around guys every single day and now all of a sudden you're a media guy and you don't have the same interaction and, and things like that. You probably miss that. But I don't know. Coaching, I admire that profession so much. And the guys that do it, I love their personalities. Like if somebody says, yeah, I'm a coach, I'm like, I love you. You know, <laughs> just because. <laughs> well, you fall in love easy. <laughs> but just because, you know, I, having had coaches and they're very selfless and they put all their time and in, in, in they're investing in you and everything, I think that's probably what gets the bug. But, man, for me, when I was at the end of my, my career, I was – yeah, I always talk about how when you go there at 6.30 in the morning for treatment, their lights are on. You leave at 6.30 at night, their lights are on. Sometimes those guys will. I remember there was a story about Harbaugh where he woke up in his driveway and didn't know if he was coming or going. Like, I don't know if I came home and fell asleep in the driveway or I got up in the morning. To and go left. to work and fell asleep. Yeah, but either way, he turned around and went back to work. That's a bad place to be. That's yeah. not healthy, Dave. Richard Smith, who coached, I think, with the Raiders last year, he told me one time that he had not seen his children awake for six weeks, something like that, or five so weeks. So he'd come home, they're asleep, and then he'd leave, leave in the before morning. they woke up. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's, that's kinda... how I'd prefer him, personally. But, yeah, for other people who like kids, that'd be great. <laughs> or man, that wouldn't would, be great. I, uh, that would be tough, man. And that's one of the reasons I was going to possibly be a scout, but my kids were starting to get to that age where you're going to the games and doing all that stuff, and I didn't want to miss that. So, But those guys, I mean, I admire the – and I'm not judging because I'm sure they have kids and everything, but I just – I admire the fact that they're willing to put that much time into it. Because I would think, you know, as far as for Rex, I mean, the media stuff, you you got to prep probably twice as long for every t- a bit of time that you're on the air. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but it's not like coaching. It just never goes to sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's you're right, it must be in their blood because I would assume he's making a nice living, maybe not as good as being a coach. I don't know what a what a coordinator position pays compared to what he's making in, in the media. Some of these media guys make a lot of money and you don't have the same level of scrutiny. You don't have the same level of expectation from an entire fan base and calling for your head when things don't go the right way and it's just a different level of of uh energy as you talk about i don't think he's falling asleep in his driveway worrying yeah. about his media job right <laughs> right i'll so, tell you what those those teeth man 
Yeah, they are. They he are has pearly got white, aren't they? White teeth, boy. Yeah. I don't know if they're real, but they're awfully white. All right, coming up, some old Seahawks grievances have come back into the spotlight. We'll get into those next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten.